0: Question. How long? As we see wickedness, violence, and just the moral depravity all around us, like the video and like the psalmist will ask today, how long? Often when we see horrific events unfold all around us, we can be left to wonder. Where's God? Why doesn't He do something about it? Are, are questions that often get asked. Or why does He allow this certain type of perversion or wickedness? Why does He allow it to continue? See, these are the types of questions that David wrestles with in Psalm 10. The theme for this particular psalm is, is how to deal with God's silence and His delayed justice. As looking at this psalm, I think it naturally falls into three separate parts. And so this morning we'll walk through each of those three parts. And the first part is a basic question of life. It's found there in verse 1. It says, Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Here we see a bold expression of a true, authentic feelings of those of the oppressed who who cry out for help and for relief. And David wrestles with an age-old question. And here's the problem. The problem is, why doesn't God just do something about the prosperity of the wicked? And why doesn't He do something right now, immediately, or... Why doesn't He he do something in order to immediately give relief or to give aid to the misery of the afflicted? How much longer must we wait? And I want you to understand from the very beginning, I need you to know that it is not always wrong to question God. believe that God welcomes our questions. Just as long as those questions are asked in faith, to question God in and of itself is not wrong or inappropriate. If you need an example, I would encourage you to read the book of Habakkuk. The prophet Habakkuk questions God, and rather than to rebuke Habakkuk for his question, God patiently answered those questions. And the prophet ends his book with a song of praise unto God. And so may you know that God welcomes our sincere questions as long as they come from an earnest heart. Insincere questions. Questions that come from a hypocritical heart. Questions like uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees would try to entrap Jesus with. Now, those types of questions, well, that's a totally different matter. But to know that as you present your questions to God, there are a couple truths that would be wise for you to remember. The uh, first truth is that things are not always as they appear. It may appear that God is doing nothing about your circumstance it may seem that God is distant or disconnected from your pain it may seem as though he's not interested or he doesn't care you must remember that we do not and we cannot see everything that is happening around us we do not and we cannot understand all of the information that is available unto God. And so just because we do not see him at work in our situation doesn't mean that God is not working and moving in that situation. So things are not always as they seem. The second truth to consider and to remember is that God is not accountable to us, he's God. We are not. We are the creatures, not the Creator. God is greater than any and all of us. He is exceedingly more wise and powerful than all of us. So while we're able to bring our questions to Him, we must remember that He is under no obligations to explain Himself unto us. And When He chooses to be silent... To your questions, uh, we must choose to trust in Him and in the promises of His Word. Because God is under no obligation to answer or to inform us of all of the details. We must trust in His sovereignty and accept His authority in our lives. And because our God is faithful, He can be trusted To work out all things in accordance to His will and in accordance to His glory. And so may you know that as you ask the questions to God, things are not always as they appear. and God is not accountable unto us. But He welcomes us to to bring those sincere questions unto Him. And so let's be honest, David's questions from verse number one are questions that remain even unanswered today. And so the first part is the basic question of life. How long? How long must this delayed justice occur? Uh, part two is, is to understand the cause of trouble or the cause of evil in this world. And so God is often the one that is blamed for the evil that exists today. Some people get upset at God or some people grow bitter towards God all because He didn't prevent some horrific event from occurring to them or to someone whom they love. But we need to understand that God is not responsible for the evil that exists in this world. God is not responsible for the injustices that occur within our world every single day. No, wicked people are the source behind these things. Because wicked people do wicked things. right? And so in these next ten verses, there are going to be eight truths that summarizes the character and the conduct of such wicked people. And so let's look at these eight truths. Number one, is that wicked people pursue and take advantage of the poor. Look at verse 2. It says, In pride, the wicked hotly pursue the afflicted. Let them be caught in the plots which they have devised. Pride is the original sin against God. Lucifer, the highest archangel who was created by God, had a deep desire to exalt himself above God. In Isaiah chapter 14, we read about how he was cast out of heaven because of that pride. And it was in the Garden of Eden that Adam deliberately disobeyed God's command not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And yet, Adam acted independently from God. It was pride that led him to believe that he knew better than what God had instructed him to do. And so the fall of man is the great example of Proverbs chapter 16, of verse number 18. There it says that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You see, pride is the root of the majority of sins committed against other people. And here we see that wicked people have an over-inflated opinion about themselves And they will do whatever is necessary in order to satisfy their own desires. And they don't care if it's at the expense of other people. And so they plot. And they scheme. And they seek ways in order to to exploit other people. And they especially prey upon those that are weaker than themselves. Those that do not have the means or the resources to defend themselves. And so wicked people pursue and take care of the poor and the vulnerable. Truth number two, wicked people are proud of their wickedness. In fact, they, they praise their greed and they denounce the Lord. Verse three says, for the wicked boast of his heart's desire and the greedy man curses and spurns the Lord. They're so proud of their wickedness that they boast in it and denounce the Lord. In verse number 4, we see how wicked people give no thought or consideration to the Lord. That's the third truth. They give no thought or consideration to the Lord. It says in verse 4 that the wicked and the haughtiness of His countenance does not seek Him. All His thoughts are, there is no God. See, pride is not only seeking to place ourselves over God. Pride is also completely ignoring God. Pride also is when we act as though God doesn't exist. However, the reality is, every single person knows within themselves that there is a God. Every person that has ever lived, every person that is currently living, every person that will ever live will know within themselves that there is a God. And Scripture makes that crystal clear. Back in Romans chapter 1, beginning in... Verse number 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God has made it evident to them. And then verse number 20 says, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes That's attributes of God, right? Uh, His eternal power and His divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. So that they are without excuse. No one has an excuse. According to the Bible, there is no such thing as an honest atheist. Every single person that denies the existence of God lies against what God has revealed within themselves. And so that the sin of the wicked is that they do not respond to this revelation. There's no room for God in their lives. And so as a result of that, they they reach the full potential of their sinfulness and wickedness. The wicked people give no thought or consideration to the Lord. Number four, uh, wicked people scoff at others who try to stand in their way. It says in verse number five, His way prospers at times. Your judgments are on high, out of His sight. As for all His adversaries, He snorts at them. Scoffing at them. Mocking them those that stand in his way they give little thought or consideration to the fifth truth about wicked people is that they 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 feel secure and they think that they're self-sufficient verse number 6 he says to himself i will not be moved throughout all generations i will not be in adversity See, wicked people are so confident in their success that they're convinced that they cannot be brought down. And as a result, they have this false sense of security, which is another manifestation of their pride. Truth number six. Wicked people have filthy mouths. So much is packed into verse number seven. Says his mouth is full of curses and deceit. Oppression under his tongue is mischief and wickedness. Let me give you an understanding of these five characteristics of the tongue of a wicked person. Says it's full of curses. Curses is swearing oaths or, or making promises that they have no intention of honoring, just empty words. Empty commitments. And it says that they're full of curses and deceit. Uh, Deceit. I want you to think of craftiness. Think of fraud. This word deceit is the same word that describes how Jacob stole his brother's blessing in Genesis chapter 27. It's the same exact word that's used to describe the actions of Antichrist in Daniel chapter 8 and chapter 11. And so it's craftiness, it's fraud. And so not only does it have curses and deceit, there's uh, the words of oppression, threats of intimidation, using their words to to force other people to do something that they don't want to do on their own. And then under his tongue is, is mischief. Mischief here is to be understood as trouble or harmful words that are directed towards others. And wickedness. It's evil speaking that leads to sorrow. Here's the thing. A wicked person exposes their heart through what comes from their mouths. The truth that Jesus gave us Himself Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 6 at the end of verse number 45, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You ever been around somebody and then they say something, whether it's an expletive or something that should never have been spoken, and then they immediately say, "Mm, I don't know where that came from. Yeah, I do. From your dark and dirty heart is where it comes from. rather than washing somebody's mouth out with soap that used to be a thing I, many years ago. I don't think they do that anymore these days. But that's not treating the, the problem. The heart problem. That manifests itself in words that come out of a person's mouth. So when a wicked person speaks... They ultimately reveal the wickedness of their hearts. So David's going to make a transition here. He's going to turn from what a wicked person thinks or, or what a wicked person says. Now he's going to focus upon what the wicked do. And so the seventh truth would be that wicked people are lawless. They're lawless. Beginning in verse number 8, it says, "...he sits in the lurking places of the villages..." In the hiding places, he kills the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the unfortunate. He lurks in a hiding place as a lion in his lair. He lurks to catch the afflicted. He catches the afflicted when he draws him into his net. He crouches, he bows down, and the unfortunate fall by his mighty ones. David uses two illustrations to depict the lawlessness of the wicked and the first one he says they're like a lion that's waiting to pounce upon their prey and what that lion does is that lion waits and he he sits in the shadows waiting and for that for the perfect opportunity to pounce on its victim and then it pounces and they drag them out in, in order to devour them and so like the lion, a wicked person, spies upon the helpless, waiting patiently for the perfect time and to take advantage of them. So he describes them like a lion, and then he describes them like a, like a hunter, those that spread their nets or spread their, their traps, and the, as they spread those nets and traps, they'll disguise them, and then they'll wait patiently for the innocent. The unsuspecting to stumble across them and to be entrapped by them. Why do these things happen? Why do dictators rise in contempt of others? Why is it that so many people fail to value, honor, and respect the sanctity of life? Why do so many companies and organizations market sex, violence, moral corruption to our pre-adolescent children through toys, through games, through cartoons? Why is it that industries will exploit cheap labor and the natural resources that come from underdeveloped Nations and thus leaving its people and its land stripped bare. Why do these things happen? Well, the answer is found in in the fact that wicked people, this is the eighth truth, wicked people think that God will overlook their sinfulness. That's why they happen. Look at verse number 11. He says to himself, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. You understand that Satan is the master deceiver. Because wicked people do not receive immediate retribution for their sin. They they tend to think that God's overlooked their offense, and it's not really that big of a deal. So ultimately, wicked people make the mistake uh, and they, they mistake God's patience with evil. And and they mistakenly take that as his lack of interest for injustice. Or they see God's patience as a lack of concern for innocent victims. So therefore, what ends up happening is God's warning of judgment are meaningless to them because judgment is not instantly carried out. Which brings us to the third part, the third section of this song. Part one was the basic question of life. Part two was the cause of trouble and evil in this world. Part three is the answer. What is the answer to trouble and evil in this world? And part three picks up in verse number 12. Let's just read through this. It says, Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand. Do not forget the afflicted Why has the wicked spurned God? He has said to himself, You will not require it. So how do we handle the, the frustration that can come with God's silence or His delayed justice? Well, in the next verse, in response to the claim that the Lord's not paying attention, David declares that God sees exactly what's happening. He says in verse number 14, You have seen it. For you have beheld mischief and vexation to take it into your hand. The unfortunate commits himself to you. You have been the helper of the orphan. And then in verse number 15, we see that God will expose and judge every evil act. And verse 15 says, break the arm of the wicked and the evildoer. Seek out his wickedness until you find none. The wiki claimed that there is no God. But in verse number 16, we see that the Lord is King. And as King, He rules and reigns over everything. And so the, the psalm ends with a ringing confession. Look at it, verse 16. The Lord is King forever and ever. Nations have perished from His land. And May you know that our King, as King, He will defend His people Look at verse 17. Oh Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to vindicate the orphan and the oppressed so that man who is of the earth will no longer cause terror. So the answer, the answer to the frustration of, of God's silence and his delayed justice, The answer is found not in an explanation, but rather in an exhortation. And the exhortation is to have faith in God. Remind yourself of God's character. Remind yourself of the promises of His Word review and reflect upon history and see how God always acts in accordance to His will for His glory on His timetable and not upon ours. And you know that God sees and He is aware of everything that is happening. Not one deed, not one thought, not one word goes unnoticed by our God. And God does raise his hand in retribution against the wicked. And he'll raise that hand in accordance to his plan, his time, not ours. God can be trusted to vindicate the, the poor and the helpless. He hears their cries. He knows their pain. And he will rise. In their defense. So we should remind ourselves that when it comes to justice, every case in God's courtroom, if you will, is not immediately tried. So every offender is not immediately apprehended and sentenced. But in accordance to His plan, in His perfect timing, Every deed of darkness will eventually be ruled upon. And God's perfect justice will be carried out. So have faith in God. Don't be discouraged. Don't be frustrated with what you perceive as a delay in God's justice. Have faith. Until that justice is perfectly rendered, trust in Him. Study His Word. Obey His will. Confess your sins and receive His forgiveness. Repent and receive Christ as Lord and Savior of your lives and make a commitment to walk in obedience to His Word and to His will. And don't worry about when things will be made right. God will take care of it. He doesn't need our help. He can be trusted. So trust in Him. No matter what you're facing. Trust. Trust. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your faithfulness, for your love, for your mercy, for your grace. We also thank you for your sovereign justice, for your wrath. Now we know that you see and hear and know all things. Help us in this moment, Father, to rightly respond to your word. With the confession of sins and the making of commitments, may you be pleased by what you see from us right in here, right now. Thank you. Thank you so much for this church. Help us to to become a solid community of believers who actively participate in the command of making disciples. May you be pleased by what you see from us. In Christ's name I pray, amen.